Hi, this is Pastor Rick, glad you're with us on demand. Today we conclude our series on decision making. There's five sermons in this series you don't want to miss. Today we do the Q&A part of it. Questions people ask me about decision making that will help you make better decisions. So stay with us today. It's going to be great to be back at the end and pray for you. So stay right there. Welcome back. Glad you're with us. We are going to take a step today to answer some of your questions about decision making. Decision making is one of the most important things that you can do in life. It determines where you're going to go. Making decisions that are smart and that are practical can really change everything in your life. I've listed some questions that I think people often ask me about decision making, but I want to make sure that we are on the same page. And again, I want to thank you for being with us. I want to thank you for your patience and grace with us as you study the word with us. It's really just good stuff. It really is practical and helpful. I want to remind you of a book that I introduced you to. Uh, it's called Farsighted, and I keep getting it wrong when I say it, but it's farsighted, not foresighted. It's farsighted. And in this book, uh, there are three basic principles that he lays out that I kind of borrowed from, and I want to give him credit. One is he talked about three phases of making a good decision. One is you have to have what he calls the mapping phase. This is where you lay out the truth and you say, this is the truth about where I am. It's kind of like when you're trying to find your way around a mall, right? You have to know where you are first before you can get to the destination you want to get to. And so normally on those signs in the mall, they'll say you're here. And so mapping is about being honest about where you are financially, emotionally, mentally, wherever you are. It's hard for people sometimes to do that. It's hard for them to say, you know, ah, I'm not where I need to be. I'm not really as disciplined or as committed, and I need to maybe work on that. So the mapping phase is crucial. We talked a lot about that this month, then in this series, rather. Then secondly, uh, we talked about the next phase, which is the prediction phase. The prediction phase is based on the map. What do you predict will be true? If you are trying to uh, graduate from college, say, for example, and that's what's on your map. I want to graduate with a bachelor's degree in architecture or engineering. And you write that on the map. But you look at your study habits. You're studying an hour a day. I predict you won't finish. That's the predicting phase. And that's what's really important um, about the mapping phase. Because if you're not honest on the map, your predictions will be wrong. You can't possibly have a good marriage the way you're acting. You can't possibly get married with your thinking process. You think too much like a single person. You don't, you don't want to open your heart to inviting anybody else in. And so the mapping phase, he, said, he talks about then the predicting phase. And then the last one is the decision phase. So if you look at the map, and the map is saying, okay, I want to be a college graduate in four years. And that means I'm going to have to study at least four hours. So I predict that if I study four hours, I'll be fine. But let's look at the map and say, well, I want to, be a, I want to graduate in four years, but I'm studying an hour a day. That's not going to work. So I have to make a new decision. So I map, I predict, and I decide. The decisions I come up with are tied to where I want to be on the map. Just a great concept. I thought it would be great to use. And a lot of times in church, for people, the problem is the mapping phase. They're not honest. And so there are a lot of questions people ask me about, about those things. So I want to go over them with you a little bit and kind of talk you through some of the questions that people ask me. And I want to start with a verse. It's in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. And this verse kind of talks about the importance of questions and responding to questions. Here's what Peter said. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason 
for the hope you have. I want you to be able to give an answer. So there's nothing wrong with people asking a question. In the book, um, You Lost Me, one of the things by Kinnerman, David Kinnerman wrote a great book you ought to get called You Lost Me. He says one of the problems with, with Christians is that, and one of the reasons that young people don't like us is because we don't like to be questioned. We don't like science. We don't like anything that's, and that, that, that analyzes what we say. And sometimes when preachers talk, they think, well, once I say it from the pulpit, it's the gospel and it's the word and no one can ask a question. Jesus allowed questions. So your questions are valuable. And I, I, I love Peter's comments. He says, you know, be able to give an answer for the reason for the hope that's within you. But do this with, when you do it, do it with gentleness and respect. Be kind. Be gracious. Don't be arrogant and condescending. And sometimes when you're full of religious zeal, if you're not careful, you'll come off as a really, pretty arrogant person. Let me start with question number one. Here's the question. How do you make a good decision? That's the first question I'm asked a lot because people are so afraid of making wrong decisions. Well, let me just say, making wrong decisions is part of making good decisions. You're going to make wrong decisions. I don't care how hard you try. I don't care how hard you work. I don't care how much you do. You're going to make some decisions that aren't perfect. But what you do is start off with those three things I mentioned in the beginning. Map. Map out the truth. Lay the truth on a piece of paper. Say, here's the truth. Here's the truth. My finances are here. My marriage is here. Just lay out the truth. And then predict where you're going to be And if I don't change. And then make new decisions to help you get to where you want to be. And so you make good decisions by admitting that you're going to make wrong decisions. But then starting with that, that little simple guide I gave you and map out a different beginning. And I've done that in my life. I'm in the middle of it now. There's some decisions I've made lately that are tied to some things I specifically want to see change in my life. So that's the first thing I'd say. How do you make good decisions? Get your map out. Get honest. Be honest about your predictions. And then, of course, make new decisions. Number three. Number two, rather. Name one. This is a great one. <laughs> of the worst decisions you made in your life. Wow, the worst decisions I have made in my life. Man, wow. You ready? I know these are honest. These are like really honest answers uh, about my journey with decisions. Number one, dating decisions. I call them the three Ds. Three Ds. Dating, debt, and delay. There you go. Those are three. I know you asked for one, but let me give you three. I, I call it the three Ds. I, I um, at times, especially my earlier years when I first came to Christ, you know, you date because they're cute. You date because you're available. You date for reasons. And I'm not putting anybody down that I ever dated. I'm just saying it just sometimes the reasoning behind it was not very well thought out. It was just, you know, I like you. You, you make me feel good inside. I get a buzz when you walk by. But you're, some people, the biggest decision they can make that can be the biggest mistake is a dating decision, who they allow themselves to fall in love with. And then in this culture, with that comes a whole bunch of other benefits. You know, you're, so you're sexually active with everybody you date. You're, you're hanging out. You're living with everybody you date. Eventually, you're sharing, you're buying property together. Before you know it, your life is all commingled in ways that um, can become a bad decision. So for some people, dating uh, is the issue. And I think in my case, I'd say, again, one of my Ds, the three Ds, one is dating. Uh, second one would be debt, uh, tolerating debt, tolerating 
owing people, tolerating payments when I didn't have to. There were things I could have just waited to get or things I just thought, you know, yeah, I'll go ahead and do it because I can. And I think there are times, I remember one time I bought a vacuum cleaner and I bought this vacuum cleaner and I didn't have to buy it. It was, I, the guy asked me a question. He said, can you afford $39 a month? Of course I can, I, I responded. You know, it's a terrible decision. And the thing ended up costing me $700. Don't tell anybody I told you that. But there are moments you just, <laughs> I won't say the name of the company. And then the thing died before I finished paying for it. Can you believe it? And they wouldn't fix it. So I just remember, I should have just went down to Walmart and bought myself a vacuum cleaner and, and picked up the dirt or got a broom. Bad decision. And, and allowing yourself to make payments on things that you should just pay cash for and be free from. Um, but that was one. And, and a, lot of times, a lot of times, believe it or not, when you make more money, you can be vulnerable to do things you shouldn't. And young people, I want you to think about this. Because a lot of you right now, you're in college and you're, you're just racking up debt unnecessarily, some of you. You're not using your student loan money wisely. Uh, you're partying and having a good time. It'd be a bad decision long term. So that was one. So let's see, dating, debt, and then delay would be the third one. One of my three Ds, bad decision. Um, my worst decision. Putting things off that you should start today, things you should do now, uh, waiting too long to begin doing things that are really important. When you look around your house and you say, oh boy, there's a lot of delay around here. Yeah, stuff everywhere. And you have this delay temptation. And that, that can become the greatest mistake you make. Some of you should have gone right back to school, get right back into your job, go right back to work, uh, fix those issues. And what I try to do is I try to have a things to do list of things that I need to do on a daily basis that, that, are, that help me get to certain goals I have. And I try to keep it small. So I have like three things or four things that are really, really important. I made, I, I'm big on having the to-do list. Uh, and the to-do list is, is, is small, uh, and it's, I'm going to do it today. It's no delays, because I have seen some of you, your garage is one big delay, right? Mm -hmm. Your car, your, uh, your health, uh, and you keep putting it off. So those are my, my, the three Ds were my biggest mistake. That's my biggest mistake ever, allowing that to happen. Here you go, number three. Uh, name one of the best decisions you made in your life. <laughs> I put that under what I call the three L's, the three L's as in long, the three L's. Here you go. Number one, listening was always a great thing I did. I've been a good listener. I've always um, loved to read, uh, especially in the last, oh, let me see. I started really reading at about 16, but I really got into reading at about 19. College was when I really started having to read a lot because of college. But listening to truth, listening over and over again, that really um, helped me. Listening was my biggest, smartest thing. Second smart thing was under the, my, my three L's would be uh, learning. I, I, I really learned a lot. I, I, there, there are things that I came to understand from listening. Certain lessons I can cite for you, things people said to me. Like, for example, one guy said to me, if you talk too much, smart people will stop talking around you and you will, you will then be in big trouble in life because you won't have their influence. And I remember that. So when smart people are talking, I try to listen. I'm, I'm a big listen, then learn, and then here's the third thing, lead, leading. Leading was a big, leading was a smart thing for me. This was my calling, my assignment in life. And finding that is really great. So the smartest thing, best decision I ever made, 
was accepting the job as a pastor, accepting the leadership role. Um, it's a humbling opportunity, um, listening, learning, leading, those three things. So I put them in threes, um, the worst decision, best decision that I've made in my life. But listening, if you want one listening, would be the best thing. Listening, just making sure that I listen properly. Number four, fourth question, how do you survive making a bad decision? I've made some. I've made some, and, and I didn't mean to make them. And that's why I believe that part of making good decisions is making bad decisions, that you're going to make some decisions that aren't perfect. And you have to learn how to live through that. There's a book by John Maxwell called Failing Forward. That is such a good book. It is just fabulous. You have to learn how to embrace the process of not being perfect. And, it, and it, he walks through this whole thing in that book that really can help you, some of you that struggle with failing. You want to succeed, but you got to be okay with not being perfect. Uh, in um, the latter seasons of my life, I only like A's, only like hundreds in my academic pursuits. But I've learned that I can't always get a hundred. But I'm close. I'm trying. I'm always, I'm always going after it. Um, but I, I think that when you make a bad decision, here's what you do. You ready? Number one, admit it. I made a bad decision. That, that wasn't a good decision. And then number two, you're right, it's important, stop it. <laughs> Once you admit it, don't continue doing it, stop it. And then here's the third thing, you ready? Grow from it, okay? Admit it, stop it, grow from it. You have to grow. This is a growth moment. I, I often say, you put it in the library of wisdom and you will never be the same. Because now you know about marriage, about your life, about whatever you, mistakes you've made. You put that, raising children, whatever it is, admit it, stop it, and grow from it. Okay, here we go. Number five, how do you stop others from making bad decisions? Now, this is tricky because if you're not careful, you will assume too much. I love the book by, called Boundaries by Townsend, by McLeod and, and, and Townsend, where they talk about the fact that you are not responsible for somebody else's outcome. So here's what you do when you, you advise people. Number one, you ready? When you, when you, if somebody's going to make a bad decision and you see it, the question is, how, what do you do? You advise them. If they allow you, you advise them. You open your heart and you tell them the truth. But once you've done that, in the book called Boundaries, he says, basically, that's all you can do. I'm not responsible for their outcome. They sow is what they reap. And I need to be okay with the fact that maybe this is one of those moments, all I can do is, number two, you ready? Pray for you. So what do you do? How do you help somebody that's making a bad decision? You advise them. Number two, pray for them. Yeah, you pray. Lord, help them. Lord, help them see. Sometimes it's your kids. That's all you can do. Pray for them. You don't have any other, other tools. And then lastly, uh, <laughs> wait and see. <laughs> so you advise them, pray for them, and then you wait and see. Let's see how that went. Did they connect with that truth? And sometimes you see them living in cycles of challenge and you can't, you know, you can't, you can't fix it. You can't correct it. You can't get them to, you just have to wait and see what's going to happen. And that can be hard. All right, next question. Let's see. Number six. Uh, is it your responsibility to save people from bad decisions? Well, sometimes yes. Sometimes no. Sometimes you, you, I see people about to make a decision and I 
step in and I'll say something. And that's the right thing to do. But sometimes I don't have that opportunity and sometimes I don't even know they're making it. The big thing here is this, this tendency to feel responsible. And this question and the last one, no, last question was how do you stop people from making bad decisions? This one, is, 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 is it your responsibility to save people? And that, that too can kind of mix together in your soul where you're always feeling responsible for somebody's bad choices, especially parents. Listen, you can't be. I know it hurts, but that, that's not your decision. And once kids and people get to a certain age or employees, you know, sometimes you see people lose their job. I mean, that's, that's something I control. You know, if you work for me, you have a job to do. And if you can't do the job, you can't keep working for me. And that's, that may not be easy to say or to know, but yeah, yeah, I have to do my job. You have to do your job. You get paid, I get paid. Everybody has to, you know. And so as a boss, you have to kind of understand <clears throat> sometimes the best decision for people uh, is not the decision they make. And you're not responsible for that. Number seven, what if you mapped, predicted, and decided, and you still made the wrong decision. So what if you said, Pastor Rick, all right, I sat down and I wrote out a map. I sat down, I predicted this outcome, and then in the end, I made a decision and it was still wrong. Well, try it again. I, see, there's no perfect formula for making all perfect decisions because Sometimes the only way you can learn to make the right decision is make the wrong one. And you can't worry about that. You just can't dwell on that. <clears throat> I, I wish I had made all the right decisions. I have not. I have tried. But I didn't make all the perfect decisions. I, I talk about them openly. I'll say, you know, we were going to build a building that was going to drown us. I thought we were doing the right thing. I, you know, I did all my homework. I went to all the right advisors. But it was too much to build. Too much. So we bought land. And we built, we built, we designed our ministry differently. We expanded digitally, which was incredibly smart. Around the time that we were going to build this huge building, we ended up having to um, change our plans because we, it's funny, we were working on this in 2007. There was a, <laughs> there was a major, the God knew it was coming. It was a major economic downturn coming in 2008. For us to be in a building program in 2008 would have been disastrous. So what we did was we invested in buying land, which was really smart. We bought all the land around us. Then we turned around and invested in some other, other properties. And we also invested a lot of money in digital expansion. We went online. We started streaming in 2007. We started investing in uh, digital gatherings. It was amazing. And it was the best decision we could have made. So eventually we made go buy, build something else down the road when it makes sense. But my point is our ministry moved to a digital platform. We started doing things. So sometimes in life, you, you try your best to make the right decision. You map it out. But one thing that's really interesting, there's a story um, that I heard about that was so powerful about how years ago in New York, there was this, this pond that they, um, uh, it was a big, beautiful area, uh, body of water, and they decided what they would do is fill it in, right? And so they filled it in, and they put housing on top of it, and they didn't know that this housing over the next 100 years or so would sink, and it did. And so the housing project began to, <laughs> the housing began to sink. And so the question was asked, was uh, 
the author says, well, did they know that it was going to sink? No, because there was nobody at the table when they first made this decision 100 years ago that would have even known that this potential would happen because they didn't have the technology, they didn't understand soil, they didn't understand, they didn't understand sediments, they didn't understand a lot of that. The geology wasn't at the level where they would be able to understand it. So they made a decision based on their current level of knowledge. And for some of you, that's the truth. You made decisions based on your current level of knowledge. And so that's why you married that kind of person, because that's all you knew. But now you've grown. That's why you ended up in that career, because you didn't understand yourself. You thought you knew. So my point is that in time you grow and you make better decisions. So you can map everything out. You can predict, you can make decisions and still not be in a perfect situation. But if you keep going, you'll get there. So they learned. They learned, okay, that was a bad decision and they made a better decision. So take that up and put that in your heart. Now, let me give you a couple of bonus questions that people ask and we're going to be done for the day. Here you go. Question is this. What if you don't have the right mapping tools to make a decision? Okay, so you said, Pastor Rick, I obviously... Uh, have been trying to get the right decisions made. <laughs> but I don't know. I keep getting it wrong. Here's what the Bible promises. Matthew 5 and 6. I live by this verse. Here's what it says. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be filled. Here's what I believe. If I keep going in the right direction with the right attitude and the right spirit, I'll be filled. I'll get there. I will get there. I'll be there. And it will all be okay. I, I quote that sometime when I'm not sure what I'm doing. Father, you said that you'll help me get there. You said if I hunger for what's right, what's righteous, you'll fill me. I trust you. And I want you to pray that prayer. In this season, with all that we're dealing with, that's about what we have to say. I don't know which way to turn, God. I don't know all the right answers. But you said if I hunger and thirst for your input, you'll give me the right path. And I believe in time I've seen God do that in my life. Last question, bonus question. Uh, what kind of, and this is a, a, a kind of um, at the root of this whole series on decision-making that kind of sparked me to think about this? Because I, I think we've made some, as Christians, we've made some theological, spiritual, religious decisions that concern me. Here's the question. Um, and and this, this will be the last one. Here we go. If I can get to the right page. Here we go. All right. Uh, what kind of theological decisions have we made today that could be dangerous for our Christian testimony in the future? What kind of theological decisions have we made today that could be dangerous for our, for our Christian testimony in the future? I, I, Christians make decisions that sometimes, are, and not just Christians, but people in certain generations make decisions that they don't understand the long-term implications of. They, they don't see it. I think those who uh, founded slavery, for example, didn't see the long-term implications of what that would mean. Certain wars we got into, we couldn't see when we got into the Vietnam War, when we got into Iraq, when we got into Afghanistan, various places we got into. We did not see uh, the longest war, 20 years. We didn't see the, the war in Afghanistan. We didn't see a lot of things. We did not, we saw out a little ways. And there are people who kind of guessed, predicted, you know, they, they said, okay, this is going to be the outcome. And some were right and some were wrong. But one thing is true, there are certain things that we can decide to do, certain, and I use the term theological on purpose, 
religious decisions and bathe them in verses and tie verses together and get up and preach on topics and tell everybody what they should do. And, and we think we're right, but the long-term damage can be really profound. Now, I want to say the question again and give you my quick answer. What kind of theological decisions have we made today that could be dangerous for our Christian testimony in the future? Here's the answer. Many of us have decided, I'm going to put this on the screen so you can see it. Many of us have decided to pick sides and define truth too narrowly. So now, if we're not careful as believers, we have defined truth very narrowly. Baptist people think it's all the Baptist way. Pentecostal is all the Pentecostal way. Everybody got their own definition, you know, and it's real narrow. There's no room for anybody else. Catholics, real, Protestants, everybody's got their own way, their own way of seeing things. And that's true around the world, and that's really dangerous. Now, I love this truth. Jesus came to save the entire world, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. Just stop right there, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. That includes, watch this, black, white, Republican, Democrat, independent, local, and international. Jesus came for everybody. He didn't just come for people who think like you, who look like you, who think the way you think and process the way you process. And for that reason, here's what we must do. Broaden our love and concerns to include everyone. We got to decide that we can't survive fighting each other. We've got to decide that one of the worst things we could ever do is be divided. And I want to say that's going to take us to our next series. Because I believe in life there are some things that work and there are some things that don't work. Division does not work. And that's my next study. Division does not work. Unity does. And so I want to take a few weeks and talk to you about that. I want to talk to you about division and why it doesn't work. And I want to talk to you about what does work. Deciding to focus on what works can change everything. Our young people are, are looking at us and they're saying, come on, people, we need you to be an example of unity, of togetherness, not division. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time. I pray what I've said in these last few minutes has been helpful. I pray that it's lifted their minds and hearts to consider a new way of looking at the world. I know that we sometimes who come to a religious conviction feel so strongly about it. and We can hardly hear anybody else. Help us, Lord, to open our hearts and minds to see and hear another, another way. I give you all the praise and I give you all the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to pray one final prayer for some of you who say, Pastor, you know, I'm one of those people who I need God in my life, but I did believe that most religious people I'm dealing with see the world too narrowly. Listen, I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your status is, but I know God loves you. For God so loved the world that if he gave his only begotten son, that you may come to know him. So let me pray for you. Father, I pray for that person watching today who needs a touch of God in their life. They don't know what to do. They don't understand the Bible. They don't understand us, but they want you. So I pray that you would touch them in a way that only you can. And may this be the beginning of a new life for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I pray the questions and answers helped you today. You know, sometimes if somebody can sit down and just give you a simple answer to a question, it makes life better. So I pray you enjoy that here on demand. I want to encourage you, if you would please, to feel free to get the book that we talked about, Farsight, great book, gives you three simple steps 
to making better decisions. I love the way the author lays it out. You got to first of all, make sure that you're clear about a map, map out your direction where you want to go. And then be honest about what you predict will happen if you make that decision. And if it's not the right outcome, then make a better decision. Three phases, remember, number one, you got to map. Number two, you have to predict. And number three, you got to make a decision. In your life, if you're not honest about the mapping, then you won't make the right predictions and you won't make the right decisions. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray today's message would have lifted the life of some who've heard it to a new place that would give them a new vision about being honest about the mapping in their life. They'd be honest about the predictions of where they're going and they'd be honest about the need to make new decisions. I pray these questions have rallied their minds around new ideas and new thoughts. I pray for blessing as they go in Jesus' name. Thank you for letting me be with you today. Thank you for being here. I pray that you would go forward and do great things in your life and make good decisions. See you next time. We've got more to talk about. See you then. Bye-bye.